Hello and welcome to Leviathan News. Today is June 13th, 2023. And what are we going to name this? The Uniswap V4 is out, or at least it's been, uh, the code is out. Uh, Hayden Adams announced this morning that Uniswap Labs has published the initial code base for Uniswap 4. Nothing is final. Nothing is published. It's There's no date on when it's going to launch, but at least the new ideas about what they want to be doing with the next implementation are out there. So I'm most curious of the four of us to hear Garrett's take, who combines like the deep knowledge of like DEXs and, with like actual smart contract experience. Do you have a, anything that... First reactions? Yeah, it's interesting stuff. I mean, I thought Uniswap V3 was interesting too. So I'm not like uh, into this whole like curve. Uh, no, no, sorry. That's not what I meant to imply. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's fine if it is. It looks to me like it's more taking aim at balancer than anything. If it, mm -hmm. uh, um, So basically some of the big changes that we see here is that it's going to be moving everything to like a single contract, which can have some yeah. gas savings instead of kind of doing this on a per contract basis, especially for deployment. Um, they're adding this concept of mutable hooks, which I haven't read enough to see exactly how it's implemented. But this is great if you want to like build things like limit orders, right? Um, you could basically say like after certain actions get taken, execute some code. I don't know how that doesn't get abused. I'm sure that they've thought that through because they're very smart people there. Um, like yeah, just uh, overall like the take I'm seeing from people is it's like there's trade-offs with everything. So this is basically like. Uh, Uniswap v3 kind of like rethought the way Uniswap works. This is more like a kind of like iterative evolution where they're like adding some things that have some drawbacks. Um, not a major overall sea change, but you know, really interesting stuff. Yeah, it does seem like um, it does. I, I like very much agree with your take that like v3 seemed to like flip the paradigm where v4 seems like much more about like taking the gains of v3 and like turning it into a sophisticated product. The thing that um, the the most interesting, so I've heard like some developers describe this as like, this seems like uh, maybe some improvements in the developer and the gas experience in exchange for like a ton of complexity. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. The other thing I think I'm interested in is like the concept of a single pool. And like the first time we really like as a community we're really discussing that was with crocswap the crocswap paper let's be clear um but i i'm very curious you know like i i think that there are um i'm very just i'm very curious to see what it means to pool in a single asset and um if that's like actually a benefit or if that you know, like whether we're talking about sturdy finance or basically any other hack like what that essentially boils down to is like one pool with multiple assets that have manipulatable assets and then um, like things happening in there. So if there's anyone, any builders in this space, I trust it's the Uniswap guys, but um, you know, it, it, it does seem like a weird step to take and like the more complexity and more configurability in this space that is, um, you know, complexity comes with vulnerability. Yeah. Are there any can I, I want to add something? Are there any uh, like uh, clear new uh, benefits to the V4 from what you've read, or uh, and uh, on that same manner, are there uh, like oh, yeah. uh, spe specific new risks that, that are now introduced because of this new system that you've seen already? Yeah. 
So there's some like interesting things talked about in the paper, which I haven't dug into in too much depth, but things like a range bribe feature, yeah. uh, infinite swaps for perfect aggregation uh, during a single call. Um, they, of course, like tease the fee switch, uh, although I noticed there wasn't any hook after fee switch or before call um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fee switch goes live. Um, so maybe it's not that uh, intense. Uh, so like it's you know a trade-off like with all these things like they're really focusing a lot on gas optimization which is not a big surprise um i've seen some questions about like if certain trading strategies will be better or worse using this um like for example like does maverick protocol fit into this at all yeah i do think i think like two i think there's two like things that are genuinely changing that i'm interested to see how this changes DeFi. One is like that you can bribe on liquidity ranges. And I, that's like, in, that is very, very interesting to me. And I don't know if that is just like a, a customization that in practice won't be used or if that's like really going to add like a new layer of like. Ponzonomics. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other thing I'm interested in is like if you have this single pool. That like the theoretic reason that you have this single pool is because like when you're when you have like uh, complicated trade routes, let's say you want to trade like Pepe to Bencoin, <laughs> um, like you know you need to swap like from X to ETH to ETH to stables, stables to the and um, if you if everything's all in one pool, that becomes like an accounting problem and not an actual swap problem, and so um, you know like that's the big benefit of why you'd move all to one pool now. To, to see how like that kind of internal accounting, like basically it's going to be gas intensive in exchange for like not having a lot of slippage through multiple hops. And so we'll see what the result of that is. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how all these hooks work out. I mean, that's, that seems to be the most interesting thing that they've added so far. Yeah. Um, you know, the, um, the shared liquidity is similar to what balancer has created with their pools. Uh, and, that's a very nice gas optimization step. Uh, but really these hooks seem really pretty interesting, right? Like there's uh, like different fee structures that you can set for the hooks. And I, I don't know, we're, we're going to have to dig into this one a bit more. And just for like people that aren't like familiar with developer lingo, like a hook is essentially just like a piece of code that you can like place in Uniswap V4 that will trigger like when a certain thing, like when the hook catches. So like the obvious thing is like limit orders, like the hook is like a price crosses a certain threshold, but like this is Ethereum, this is programmable money. Like it'll be interesting to see like how much further you can take it. Like what happens if you say like, okay, if the price drops below this and there's not enough liquidity in the pool, trigger this hook so that the Dow, you know, starts a buyback or something. Um, it'll be cool. Yeah. Also, they're allowing for native ETH to be used inside the contracts as well, too. So uh, both V2 and V3 uh, forced everyone to use WETH. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how this uh, potentially changes stuff. What does this mean for my WETH bags? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to zero. Yeah. It's going to zero. Uh, but like they said in the, in the white paper, uh, native ETH transfers are about half the gas cost of WETH transfers. So potentially a lot of gas optimization coming. Great. Yeah. Uh, so a story that we talked about yesterday, and I do believe it is something that's quite serious, uh, enough to warrant a, a recommendation from the Gauntlet team that they free CRV and set the CRV LTV to zero on Aave. 
uh, in what I guess could be considered putting the entire Curve ecosystem at risk. Uh, Michael had moved 32% of the circulating supply of CRV into Ave uh, over the weekend uh, to shore up his loan that he had taken for $65 million. And while he probably is now quite far away, I mean, there's always the risk that he could enter into liquidation and it could cause uh, Ave to pick up bad debt as Michael is the largest holder. And there is so much circulating supply, it'd be, it'd be questionable if, if the... Uh, you know, if the debt could actually be uh, like rebought during liquidations. Uh, so like Garrett, what's going on here? Well, I'll take a little exception with the clickbaity headline of <laughs> Curve kicked off Ave um, because it's not actually the case. If, you know, Mitch would be very surprised to learn that his Curve has actually been kicked off. Um, so let's go through the timeline of events. Like um, this whole, like, let's call it FUD or like uh, like um, uh, backlash seems to have gotten started when Mitch, like to protect his position, moved it deliberately from Ave V3 and redeposited it onto Ave V2. So he's just moving internally within Ave. Um, but for some reason, this kicked up all this FUD again. Uh, it's important to note that Mitch has basically been, um, instead of selling his curve, like just managing it in various lending protocols for essentially the entirety of DeFi. He got his start back during Maker, and he's very, very good at using these lending protocols, managing his risks, uh, avoiding liquidations. And it was a lot of the, it, it fueled a lot of the innovations that he's done, including uh, the stable swap invariant, because when using all these liquidation protocols, he needed the ability to move stable coins around. So he invented a better, better stable swap. And now Curve USD. He wants to be able to sleep at night without having to worry about FUD from these things. And um, accordingly is doing the same. So at any rate, um, venting and frustrations aside, this recommendation is like uh, essentially like it's not currently not possible to borrow Curve on Ave V2. And if this passes, then it can no longer be a collateral on Ave V2. I don't think it addresses uh, Ave V3, so I think it would, might still be liquid there. Um, people have read the proposal more thoroughly. It's not even a proposal. People have read the recommendation more thoroughly could comment on it. Um, those are just my initial takes. So I don't know. I'm a maxi on curve. Everything I'm saying is biased, and you should not take any of what I say as financial advice unless you want to become poor. <laughs> um, yeah, I... So, like, obviously, we, everyone who hasn't been talking about how this industry is over has been talking about this loan in the last 24 hours. And, like, I, I think that it's, like, totally valid for the Curve community and the Ave community to be nervous about this. Like, like on the Curve I mean, side, like, like, this could destroy the token. On the Ave side, like, it's a sh it is so much, like, the position is so large and such a large percent of outstanding liquidity that, like, the reality is, is if it's liquidated, it will result in a large amount of bad debt. Those things are true. Mm -hmm. Now, right. I agreed with that part, but <laughs> I don't think it's the spells an existential risk for DeFi. Yeah, well, and I also just kind of think that if it does, then that's on us. <laughs> you know, like, true. True. like that's kind of like the point of DeFi. And I think that like anybody can have like philosophical debates on like, should like Michael as the CEO of Curve like be doing things that causes like, you know, like this is a real public relations problem. And like we're in an industry that doesn't give a shit about that. But like it matters, you know, <laughs> and like it matters for regulation and it matters for all sorts of stuff. So like there's opportunities to get better. But at the end of the day, um, I guess, Garrett, as you said, like I've heard the same thing from Michael that like 
like I've been using DeFi since the beginning. I invented Curve because of like my ability to, like inability to like use, uh, to, to swap in and out of stables for borrowing. Um, and then like, basically like, Michael needs to use DeFi in order to understand how to build better products, you know? And so I think like there's lots of opportunities to fix the story here, but like <clears throat> DGENs build products, like we should all like be appreciative of that. Yeah. And I think that's a large part of it. I also would say that um, <laughs> like, like uh, it's just the nature of lending protocols that when you put in collateral, it's at risk. So they are by their very nature risky. Uh, so it doesn't do anyone any good to spurt up FUD because someone is using a lending protocol. Like uh, if he had sold his curve, which he hasn't really done on mass, like then he, we'd be getting FUD for him selling his curve instead yeah. of lending it on Ave. So it's sort of like he's in a position where no matter what he does, because he's a whale, he's going to draw criticism in his wake. Well, well I don't know. Like, a, a question. Do you think he's ever going to pay back that $65 million loan? No, he shouldn't. No. Like the, the, the game here, as with all rich people stuff, is that like the curve should appreciate to the point where like that $70 million loan is a joke. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. And I think so, yeah, like, the price I, keeps I, going down. Partially dodging the liquidations. <laughs> I think it's, I think, it, I think it is like, regardless of what you think about like his ability to manage the position, uh, I think there is a risk that it creates. Uh, not just for curve, right? But in the obvious, I think it's it's the, the cross protocol risk where, you know, Mitch is using so much of his token, like uh, collateral, to uh, take out these huge debts on Ave with no intention of ever paying back. And sure, it's good for Ave holders that collect interest, but there has to be some sort of existential risk to the protocol there. I think this whole story is like much more an Ave story than a curve story to me and i think like like this it's it's a valid much more valid conversation to talk about ave needing to protect itself from bad debt than it is to talk about like the risk to curve because of what michael's doing um but that being said like i just think this could all be managed by like some forethought into public relations it's okay so, it's not but, gonna spell spend a lot of marketing but as i see it no, like no, I, I, not marketing <laughs> that's not what i said like PR. you just you just need to frame this in a way that's not like Hey, like I printed a bunch of money and I'm gambling off of it. Well, I don't think he's well, he's not gambling. I mean, he's buying no, mansions. He's not like Instagram. that's he's not framing it at all. And the whole community yeah. is, is filling this vacuum. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh well, let's well, pitch back on to frame it for us yes. in person. Yes. I, I don't think he needs <laughs> to explain. I don't think he needs to explain his strategy. You know, guys, the, I don't think just uh, trying to figure out all kinds of stuff and then learning from uh, his conclusions on what to do with uh, Serve USD. Isn't that his main point uh, in your mind? With, Largely. Uh, I mean, look, if you want it to be like truly, I don't want to say evil, but um, like, you know, there's always That's the opportunity to open up a curve market on Curve USD. He could move all of his curve there. Of course, he doesn't want to do that because that opens up the Luna debate of uh, endogenously collateralized stablecoin, uh, the risk of that getting liquidated and sending Curve yeah. USD to zero. Um, so, like, in my opinion, he's doing the responsible thing by instead using other protocols. Um, but whatever. Different strokes, different folks. Yeah, Garrett, I very much agree with you that this is morally allowed that like I, I just I think that this is like a lesson for all DeFi founders that like if you don't control your story crypto Twitter will control it for you and we like villains 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am getting a touch concerned between this and the mansion purchase. I don't want him to be the exactly. main character. Exactly. Let's keep Denzler yeah. as the main character. No, but exactly. Like this is like a problem for Michael to manage. And like I understand that like we're nerds and we don't care about marketing and blah blah blah. But like, well, how did human. that story come out? Right? Like who who leaked that story? The house. There's been a variety of weird uh, accounts who have like trafficked in what I would call FUD uh, that saw all of a sudden saw a big, big coordinated push at coincidentally the same time. Like, um, yeah, it's this proposal got posted to Ave. So there's something really <laughs> suspicious about the timing. It's okay. I mean, um, like if you're a, if you're a DeFi founder, just like hire a good law firm, move your funds offshore and use like companies that don't have your name attached to it to then buy property. Like it's, it's not hard. Like I don't on, look like, I think like Bill Gates doesn't fuck around with this stuff, right? Like he just buys mansions and it's okay. Like, I just, like, again, if you become as big as Michael, like, you're a target. And, like, we, we see three VC firms suing him right now. I guarantee you that, like, whoever is responsible for following the tax records in Australia is associated with one of those, like, three firms, you know? And, like, there's coordinated efforts going against this guy to convince the world that, like, one of the best builders we've ever seen is like a degenerate gambler similar to Joe Kwan that's going to ruin everything. And like, let's just... He also like, this amazing house he can't even use because of security stuff. Yeah, you know, and so like, I just, again, I, I support builders, but like, like we're building an industry. We're not just building code. And like, part of that is like making sure that, um, you know, you don't let people that like want to take your lunch write your story for you. So in your mind, uh, Rex Curve should issue a statement. They should like uh, address this uh, whole situation uh, publicly. Uh, if I was public. Michael, I would have been talking for years now about like my use of DeFi is about like figuring out what works, what doesn't work. And like the result of that is Curve. And like, if you want me to stop using DeFi, then we're not getting products. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he talks a lot in the Curve channel. So if you're following it obsessively like me, the story mm -hmm. gets out. Um, what's crazy, though, is like, you know, I've been following the Curve USD launch for some time. And like the few references to Curve in some of the more mainstream crypto publications over the past month completely butchered the Curve USD story and focused yeah. on the VC suing Michael. So it's really tough to get the message out because people focus on the gossip and the clickbait. But why are they focusing on the gossip? Because the because other side is doing nature. this work. That's no, because, because of who rules the media, because of who owns the channels. No, no, it's just gossip is what gets the clickbait is yeah. what gets the clicks. Yeah, but you're not like... Look what, at our headline, Curve kicked off Ave, which is clickbaity. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, if there's a vacuum, it's going to be filled. And like, mm. like, you fill the vacuum, you know, that that's like, like, we learned this from like fucking Marie Antoinette, you know, <laughs> like, this is not new stuff. Yeah. Well, let yeah. them eat Curve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we had another announcement yesterday. Uh, Polygon announced uh, Polygon 2.0 instead of upgrades yeah. to Polygon, which has uh, some new tokenomics and protocol architecture. So, Rex, what's happening over there? Yeah, so um, like huge fan of Polygon because like I'm a huge fan of like people that just believe in um, like building out the world computer. Um, Do you like securities? Yeah, <laughs> and securities. Yeah. Um, well, I will like got like throw a little shade at Polygon that this um, announcement was pretty light. It seems to be mostly like an announcement that announcements are coming. <laughs> but um, so like there's four main things. I'm looking at it in front of me. It's 
uh, week of June 19th, they're announcing upgrades to Polygon POS, which I don't have any inside information, but my assumption is going to be talking, they're, they're going to be talking about how Polygon POS is going to be evolving, like the transition from a side chain into either integration into the ZK EVM or a true rollup. Um, architecture and stack, I am pretty confident. Uh, sorry, the week of June 26th, they're going to be talking about architecture and stack. And I am pretty confident that what that refers to is how the ZK EVM system is going to support shared sequencers. Um, and But that's not any inside information. That's just based on reading uh, both like the way the Polygon guys talk and um, like understanding the vision of Polygon ZK EVM. Uh, week of July 10th, it just says token here. Um, I, if you read the Polygon ZK EVM docs, uh, it's clear that the Matic token is used uh, in the relationship between like the bundler and the sequencer, um, but the gas token will still be Ethereum like for users. So it sounds like this announcement is just going to be talking through like what the economics of that are. And then finally, week of uh, 17th July uh, is an announcement about governments, go sorry, governance, which um, I'm assuming is going to be not that, in uh, not that interesting to me. <laughs> I just don't believe in governance. So, <laughs> so in the long run, uh, is Matic, uh, the token, going to be relevant? Because the, most of the activity will go to uh, the Polygon ZK EVM and then it will be paid in ETH and it won't be needed as a guess. So behind the scenes, Matic is like, so while users on the ZK EVM chain will be paying gas and ETH in order for like the person responsible for receiving the transactions to actually post them to mainnet, they will need to pay that fee in Matic. And so um, the, I think the concept here is that from a user experience side, like Matic might like disappear, but like it'll still be a core uh, financial asset in like the underlying piping of how the system works. And like, look, if I'm just like calling a spade a spade, like what I see here is that they issued a token and they have like they printed a bunch of money and everyone got super rich off of it and like now it's a security or not who really cares but like you can't just like throw away a multi-billion dollar asset you know like if today polygon decided like eh matic wasn't a good idea we should have just like always been an ethereum based chain like how do you tell everyone holding matic like your sol <laughs> SOL, Solana, <laughs> another security. Uh, okay. <laughs> Too meta. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I don't know. That's me like kind of being shady at the Polygon team. Like maybe there's a better reason. But at the end of the day, like I see this, I see like Polygon making the decision that like we're Ethereum focused and we want that to be the experience. But like we need to like find a use for Matic. Yeah. So you kind of hand waved away the kind of Polygon security SEC stuff, mm -hmm. but uh, like, isn't that like a real threat to the Polygon ecosystem? Like we've seen the SEC. Oh, come and this is all like and... couch, I call it couch lowering. Like we don't know anything. Like I, I think Fair. like, Dude, look, how, why sometimes you just say that and like to cut off the conversation, but we don't know anything about anything. We don't know anything about anything. We're just reply guys. But No, but we have seen it like getting delisted at various yeah, places. Like, listen, like well, hold on, wait, before, before we it's talk about it, I, I like, I want to come back to the Polygon. Uh, 
the, like the knock on polygon was always that they were like trying to frame themselves as like an ethereum l2 when they weren't really and so you know if they do come back and they provide they, they actually become like a uh, an actual l2 for eth i think it'd be in the, in their best interest right like it would work out better for them in the long run yeah, I, I, I have always believed what they're trying to do, no? Like, otherwise, why, why would they invest so much in uh, Polygon ZKVM and they yeah. bought Hermes back then? Like, they they realized, like, years ago that they have to be a natural L2 in order to survive. In that yeah, hold on, of course. Hold on. To be clear, Polygon has always been, like, the most Ethereum maxi, like, group of anybody. And, like, the reason Polygon POS was a sidechain and not a roll-up was because roll-ups weren't invented yet. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> So like, let's not pretend that like they made like a bad business decision. Not good enough. Not, not good, good enough. enough. <laughs> you know. And look, Garrett, to answer your question that Sam doesn't want to talk about, like, yeah, look, man, like maybe Matic is a security, and like, you want to know if we as a country through our executive law enforcement agency decide that you want to know what the solution is. <clears throat> Register to the SEC. <laughs> okay. Okay. Actually, there was some information that came out of the SEC uh, today. Uh, Ripple had sued the SEC about these Hinman emails uh, that recently were made public today that show the former chairman, Bill Hinman, ignored multiple warnings that his speech contained made-up analysis with no basis in the law, Ripple says. And uh, they say that it introduced greater confusion. So the, the whole thing about the Hinman emails was that he came out, he gave this big speech about how, like, we can net these networks can become sufficiently decentralized and there's all these like things that we can look at and uh at the time he said it was his own personal opinion but the emails show that it, he had a lot of uh discussions with many other people inside the agency who also gave their opinion uh and were uh, somewhat reserved about uh what the implications of this speech could be so i i'm gonna go with uh our favorite uh, friend of the show who hasn't come on, Gabriel Shapiro, who said that it's probably a nothing burger uh, for Ripple, right? And people are probably attaching too much to it. Uh, but at the same time, it's good for ETH because it shows what the inner agency was thinking about when they made uh, this decision and when Bill Hemmen made this speech. What, what's the controversy? So it's that of... He said it was his personal opinion and other people contributed. Yeah, he said it was his personal opinion and that it didn't represent the agency. But like when they actually got the internal uh, discussions from the agency, uh, there was they, they had already discussed they, it was it was almost like they had decided within the agency that this was going to be the stance. And then he went out and said it was his personal opinion. What? I, who can, like, what? Literally, who cares? Like, if the CEO of any company, like, wants to comment without committing the company to something legally, they just say, like, hey, this is my personal opinion. And, like, we all understand that. Like, what's the... I don't... No, no, no. You just said the exact opposite for Mitch. You basically said that DeFi founders have responsibility in the PR statements that they make. Um, like, it should be the same for CEOs, right? No, 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 no. Anyone in leadership position no, no, generally no, 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 has no. to give up. I did not say that Mitch has a responsibility, like... Like, I, look, I'm saying that, like, for Mitch's own sake, if he cares about, like, not becoming the villain, like, he should be managing this. I think that... Right, it's the same with everyone in any leadership position. Like, you give up some of your personal freedom of speech because people will take whatever you say out of proportion, right? Yeah, wait, so, so the problem here, like, I guess, like, the controversy goes away is if, like, he made the exact same comments but just said, like, hey, this isn't official, but... 
this is like what we at the agency are thinking. No, if I'm like in charge of Doritos and I say like on the record I like Doritos, off the record I hate yeah, them. Welcome. Like... You should come to Anheuser Busch. That's basically how we all talked. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, what Ryan in the chat says here is right. Uh, Mitch is just too chat to do anything but write code and uh, buy mentions, and he's just <laughs> not gonna put any time out of that because he knows that us as a community will uh, will see through it, and we won't care that he doesn't explain us. We we will do the narrative uh, editing in my opinion. I did I didn't mean to revive the old debate there, um, but like so not knowing too much about Ripple though, um, like this does seem to like reinforce my point, which is that like Ripple for whatever promise it had basically turned into a like company that's like just doing nothing while it fights yeah, the SEC. just like a lawsuit millions company. of dollars fighting the SEC. Yeah. What was that? Sorry? It was just like a lawsuit company. Yeah, it's like a lawsuit company, and like I feel like there's risk of like that happening to Polygon if they do end up getting attacked. No, yeah, I, I do think that that's a risk that happens to literally anyone because like the second that you're in the spotlight, the question becomes like, are you? It's one thing to to do all the like illegal maybe things that you've already done, but like, are you willing to continue to do it while like you've been called out? And like for most people, the answer is no. For Ripple, the answer is oh no, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And so the process is the punishment. Yeah. I, I guess like bottom line, I just like confused about these Hinman emails because like I think like the way that I read when a CEO says like these are my personal statements is like these are the tea leaves. Like I can't commit the organization, but this is what's coming. Yeah, but this is what he said internally. Let me bring this up because it is relevant. Um so we can read this together. So attached, please find a draft of the speech I had mentioned which suggests that we do not need to see a need to regulate Ether as it's currently offered as a security. The language is in brackets and would be used if we are an all-in agreement. We also have a call with Vitalik later this week to confirm our understanding of how the Ethereum Foundation operates. Please feel free to share any comments with me and the folks in the CC line. And everybody else in the CC line is like pretty much everybody at the SEC that's important at the time. SEC or CFTC? SEC. Okay. But yeah. so, like, I mean, again, I yeah. What's the problem? <laughs> I don't, I don't see the problem to be honest. Because even if they did want to take the stance that they, it's now a security, they could say, okay, proof of stake made it a security or whatever, right? Yeah, like, we, they can evolve. So I, I mean, it, it, it matters and doesn't matter in the uh, Ripple case. I mean, we're we're not Ripple enthusiasts here, enjoyers. <laughs> We're not Ripple enjoyers. Here, so. Like I joined this industry. So I think disclosure. I think I have like a hundred bucks worth of Ripple lying around. So. I joined awesome. this industry so late. I don't even really understand what Ripple is. Exactly. <laughs> you would probably be like the biggest Ripple fan. Yeah. If, uh... <laughs> Why? Because they're actually engaging. Their whole premise was to basically like help banks to do international like transfers and settlements. Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> it's like a good use case for crypto in theory. Yeah. But you mean they... like JP Morgan Quorum? See, here's the trick. You can't do a startup. You just have to like already have the power. <laughs> so th there are some other things. Uh, so JPEG is introducing improved boost mechanism mechanisms and increased base LTVs uh, with the new PIP. Uh, so apparently they're getting what? What do you say, Rex? They're getting yeah. <laughs> owned by owned by Blur, and so yeah. they're having to throw some stuff at <laughs> the wall. I'm to be clear. Not financial advice, don't own any, don't even own NFTs. So I am not involved with JPEG, but I'm a fan of like the people. Uh, this to me clearly reads as like, oh shit, like you can just get better terms on Blur or Blend or whatever. So like we need to 
you know, make improvements to the protocol to make it more attractive. And if someone from JPEG would like to reframe it more positively, here's your space. <laughs> well, we have Tetranode who came in uh, to a comment by OX. Sorry, Ryan, I do own llamas. So Fubar, uh, he essentially said, you're offering 60% LTV while Blink gives 95 plus. I'm confident people can find better terms. LMFAO. And Tetranode came back and said, on JPEG, you get liquidity anytime, not only when offers are available. On Blend, you can be initiate a Dutch auction on the loan whenever they please. And also they have fixed rates versus insane rates at 90%. Talking about 2% APR to, per day for Blend. I mean, he's right. Like they're different products and they, they offer different risk profiles and like whatever. Um, it's just like before they made these improvements, it was like there are different products. One was just better. <laughs> yeah. And there's probably more value to extract out of, out of Blur because of it. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, like there, there's real benefits to like things like fixed rates and like not being at the mercy of like the secondary market for the, you know, but I don't know, like. Yeah, well, let's have a debate. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, listeners at home or anybody in the uh, Leviathan community, we would love to have someone on who can talk about NFT analytics. Uh, we'd love to get into it and see how is Blur actually crushing the competition or is it just things like this $169 million or $169, $196 million Blur tokens, which are going to be unlocked on June 14th accounting for 40% of the circulating supply. Um, are those like VC tokens? They are. Um, let's see. Let me check. Well, look, that's while you're checking. Like, we know uh, how. Go. Yeah, so it, uh, 115 million are going to be going to past and future core contributors. 75 million are allocated to investors and 5 million are allocated to advisors. Yeah. Yeah, LOL. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's like a huge, huge risk for anyone that's not on the inside, right? <laughs> like, those tokens are coming out um, from people who are not users like you. And so like, that's something to be aware of. Um, and like, just remember, like, the reason we even know what Blur is, is because like, they provided a marginally better experience, and then took all the volume by like, offering a token farming opportunity. <laughs> and so you know, that, isn't that, that is what looks did. Sorry? Isn't that what looks rare did? Yeah. And look how they're doing. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to buy some looks tokens? No. <laughs> <laughs> no they, they blur ate their lunch. Yeah. So, so again, like I don't, I don't have any problems with blur, I, you know, whatever. But I just think that um, going back to the original story, like what I would love is like one to have a show where we can like kind of debate like what features make um, NFT DeFi like more interesting, but two to like have a real like analysis and discussion about like is it a good thing to add like leverage and like more gambling like capabilities to something that is like inherently so um, gambling already, right? And like I would love to see like what is the effects of being able to take out massive loans on like CryptoPunks, like where. Where the, where's that money going to? Like, what are the effects on the original assets? Like, how's that changing the market? Um, I don't I know. Don't, like, it's a lot of money. I don't think, it, I don't think it's about uh, whether it's good or not. I think it's about the fact that uh, it's a financial instrument that people will want. So uh, someone's going to build it. And once someone's going to build it, a few are going to build it because uh, the competition will, 
will, will evolve around it. Because, uh, you know, people want to uh, leverage bet on their NFTs just as much as they want to on their, uh, like, imaginary money uh, on the internet. Like moths to a flame, degens to leverage. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's wrap it up there and get back to degening. Uh, I enjoyed today, guys. It was good. We had lots to talk about. But we will be back tomorrow for another episode. Oh, we'll be back in a few hours, you say, no? Ah, uh, yeah. Back with uh, DeFi Dude to talk about uh, how to find new stuff in, in DeFi and how to actually find decent products. So we'll be back in a few hours and we'll see. And also, there. just like, please open request to the Twitter community. Like, can you just get like a slightly bit more optimistic? Like, I swear to God, like, I don't even enjoy your content over the last like four days. Just touch grass, man. Touch grass. Yeah. Like, <laughs> take some shrooms, just like Kyle Davies. Go outside and touch grass that doesn't even feel like grass. Just it's like Reddit's not on. Twitter is like shooting itself in the head. Like what? God, I'm gonna have to. What do we? Yeah, not, do not do I go on Facebook? What? Do, do I do Facebook? What do I do? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Just like oh, man. Hang in there. Hang in there. Don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should be into sports ball because it's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that's over too. <laughs> it's over too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but we won, so I'm happy for the next like five months. Yeah. Congratulations <laughs> to the Nuggets as well. Indeed. Exactly, exactly. Long time coming. Okay. All right, boys. Indeed. See you around. All right, see you guys. Bye. Bye.